Beauty and Brains presents a work in progress. Your favorite weekly podcast all about navigating adulthood and adversity with transparency and vulnerability. Here, we highlight progress over perfection. You're listening to my personal professional development diary, where I share the highs and lows and the real and raw parts of the story that no one talks about. I'm your host, Breland Hunt, a work in progress. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are sound in mind and strong in spirit. Welcome back to A Work in Progress, the podcast, episode 11. Oh my gosh, we're really doing it. We're really doing it. (laughs) Welcome back, you guys. So as you can tell by the title of this episode, today we are talking about removing the time limit off of your life. This is actually some advice that my Morehouse brother Malcolm gave me. Shout out to Malcolm. Malcolm, okay, because <laughs> he be saying a lot of things and everything doesn't hit. But when it does, I'd be like, wow, that's some like, that's a really good nugget right there. And I wrote it down as soon as he told me this, because of course, you know, as a Morehouse brother and just one of my really good friends, I'm so blessed to have him in my life. Malcolm is my day negative 100 because we met before we went to college and the fact that we literally stayed friends throughout our entire experiences and now like as full adults like we're whole adults out here in real life and we still care about each other and we check up on each other and we're just like genuine friends like it's exactly what you would hope for like your spell house brother sister connection to be that's exactly what ours is he isn't my official Morehouse brother but he was my brother before like we even walked into the gate so I'm really appreciative of him. Why did this just become a Malcolm Stan session? That's not what we're here for. We're here today to talk about removing the time limits off your life. And again, this conversation came up because as I was just, you know, updating Malcolm on what was going on in my life, this is really just a continuation of last week's podcast episode because we talked about hating your here because of destination addiction. And if you haven't listened to or watched that podcast episode, I basically read this quote that said, beware of destination addiction. The idea that happiness is in the the next place, the next job, or even with the next partner. Until you give up the idea that happiness is somewhere else, it will never be where you are. Right? So I hear this, I know this, I'm I'm understanding it, I'm meditating it, but y'all living it, <laughs> living it is hard. And like after talking this through with you guys in the last podcast episode, we concluded that God wants you to surrender to him and the process that it takes for your purpose to develop and mature. So today we're talking about waiting, waiting and waiting well, because what I realized is that I have been really nasty in my wait. I've been impatient. I've been just unhappy and it's like I know better and I want to do better but I find myself feeling like I'm incapable of doing better because I'm just so daggone unhappy it's like I know what my problem is I know that I need to fix it but I need to really think and break down the practical steps day by day of what I can do in order to make myself less destination addicted because right now Like I keep telling you guys, I'm so ready for the next. I'm ready for anything and everything new and different from where I am right now. And because I'm so ready, it makes me impatient in my waiting season right now. Just as a quick update, we're still waiting. Medical school wise, um, no good news yet. 
um, a little bit of more bad news this week, but we're still waiting. And the thing is, right, that I know who is in charge of the plan. I know what he's doing. He's preparing my plan for me in the best way possible. I know where he's doing it. Like I know where he's working in the hearts of the people, like in the emissions counselors or, you know, he's working in the hearts and the minds. Like he is putting me in rooms before I even get there. And I know why he's doing it. He's doing it so that the right place at the right time accepts me where I need to be, where I need to go so that I can meet who I need to meet. I get it all. I get the who, I get the what, I get the where, I get the why, but I cannot sit still to understand the when. Like I am throwing a fit, like when? Okay, I know that you're working on the hearts of the admissions counselors, but like when? Like when? When? I know that you are working so that way when I move out, I'll be able to, but like when? When? I think this is going to be a shorter podcast episode. I say that now, but I think I just want to mainly introduce the topic and hear from you all from this topic, because this is literally something that I am currently working on, something that I'm currently struggling with, and I'm a work in progress. So I'm sure that some of you all are struggling with it too, but maybe some of you all are on the other end. And you know, that's something that I can start to implement, right? I have had major faith seasons where I was praying for something and I was not sure if it was going to happen and it was a long waiting period and then it did end up happening. I have several things and I've had times where it's worked out for my good and I've had times where I've been impatient and I kept pushing when it wasn't for my good and I then soon found out like, oh, this is why you were trying to keep this from me. So I think I really just need to focus in on the the reason behind the wait, I really just need to remember the previous seasons where God was faithful in me waiting in this current wait season. But it's like every time feels like the first time. But I'll tell you guys a story about kind of the time that I'm thinking about, right? So obviously we all, not, maybe we don't all know, but a lot of you all know my mahogany story where all I wanted to do when I was going to college was be on the band dancing team. I literally specifically wanted to go to an HBCU and it was just my dream, my dream. I was like, I don't want to leave these four walls of a college experience at HBCU without being on the dance line. I now think, I mean, honestly, I think that God probably knew that I was going to be so stubborn. And at the end of the day, he was like, I'm going to give it to you, but uh, I'm going to give it to you. So that way, you know, to trust me in the future, because this ain't it. And this ain't what I want for you. And I say it all the time, <laughs> trauma, that experience was nothing but trauma. But before I get there, so I auditioned for the team four years before making it. And each time it was just like, why, why, why? And I was like, oh, I'm not doing it again. And then I ended up doing it again and then auditioning again and auditioning again. And, you know, things in some ways got better each time I auditioned and some things got worse each time where, like I said, at the end of the day, it just wasn't meant for me. And afterwards, after I've graduated and I've had the experience and it's kind of like, was it worth it? Like, was it worth all the trauma that you went through, all of the negativity that you had to endure, all of the relationships that, you know, are now like toxic and negative in your life? Like all that did you have to experience like that God was trying to protect you from? He was trying to protect you from it because it wasn't in your plan. But like I said, now I have 
I should have this obedience because I'm understanding like, okay, if something is not happening at a certain time, at a certain place or at all for me, it has to be for my good, right? We talked about this in the the first episode of the year where it's either good or for my good. So even if it seems bad, like a denied letter or me waiting months and months and months, like, is it bad? It may not seem good, but it's definitely for my good. And the second story or situation that I think about where waiting worked out well for me was in my graduate program. So you guys know that I withdrew from an entire semester because of mental health and other things that were going on that semester. And I did a retroactive withdrawal. So it wasn't until the next semester that my therapist brought it up to me because I was dealing with so much like shame and anxiety because of my poor semester grades the semester before. And she was like, if you really feel like it was such a mental strain on you, like if there are these, you know, excruciating circumstances, then you can basically request for a retroactive withdrawal. And that is pretty hard to get because it's like you already have the grade. So you have to prove like I had to have a lot of documents. I had to go to a lot of meetings with a lot of deans. And it's really hard to to kind of like talk about your mental health to people who don't know you from a can of paint, especially at that PWI where you know, I felt like people were expecting for like a black girl to fail or to not have it together or to not do well. And I really had to like put all that to the side and advocate for myself. But then there was a waiting period where everything was in. I talked to everybody that I needed to talk to. All the meetings were done and I just had to wait for the dean to either approve it or deny it. And the hard part about that waiting period was that if the classes were not going to be removed, I was going to have to do another semester um, in my master's program in order to kind of like raise my GPA because you couldn't graduate the graduate program underneath a certain GPA. And because I was so it honestly, I was it's did I wait patiently because I was so determined to graduate on time for my master's program that I was like, I'm not going to be here another semester. Absolutely not. Because I (laughs) It's so crazy. Look at me talking it out loud and realizing how crazy I sound. I was ready to move home. I, like I said, I really romanticized moving back home to Maryland. Um, I thought it would just be so great and so much better than North Carolina. And there's things that I miss about North Carolina. Crazy enough to say, because you all know that I was like, I felt like it was really hard for me to be an influencer there. But like, then I was like, I don't even want to be an influencer. But at least I had I had the time to create content. I had the the type of content that was able to be like created on a everyday basis. Like every day I was like working towards my goal. Whereas like now I feel like very stagnant. Like I'm not working towards my goal of wanting to be in medical school. Um, And like I said, I'm not really able to like vlog this time because it's not pretty. It's not fun. And I was able to do that in grad school. And a lot of you all actually found me through my grad school vlogs, which is crazy because I'm like, a time that I was so ungrateful for. Now I'm looking back and I'm like, I lived in my own apartment. I would kill to live in that apartment right now versus like, you know, living here at my mom's place, not loving my job, not loving what I'm doing, not feeling like I'm working towards my goal or just like my overall purpose in life. But obviously at the time, I didn't know what the next year was going to look like. I thought it was going to look different. So I was excited to get to that point. So I was so determined to graduate on time that I basically took 
more classes than I should have that semester. So basically as a graduate student, you wanna take like three classes a semester. So instead of taking three classes, I was trying to decide if I should take three or if I should take six. Because if I took three credits, then they would basically replace my previous semester that I withdrew from, and then I would have to take another semester of three more classes. However, if I took six after just coming from a mental spiral and withdrawal, even though I'd be able to graduate on time, like what are the chances I was gonna do well in those classes? And that semester I was taking endocrinology, physiology, biochemistry, pathophysiology, it was like, girl, you need to calm down. Like you really shouldn't take six classes. But I think I was so determined at that time that if I took more classes that semester through faith, then God was gonna meet me where I was. I was gonna get those classes withdrew retroactively, and then I would be in the best position in order for me to graduate on time as possible. So I ended up taking five classes my last semester, and I left one of the easiest classes for the summertime, like the first session in summer. So like when I tell you guys, it was like right before finals time. It took the whole semester for the retroactive withdrawal to be approved and so like it was passed at drop period so I couldn't even be like well they didn't approve my withdrawal so there's no need for me to take the extra classes let me go ahead and drop them no I couldn't like I was in it it was like this is what you decided to do and so I was like if this is what I decide to do I'm gonna have faith that the classes are going to be dropped and it like that felt like the longest semester ever I, I really want to do well this semester because obviously I just had a semester that wasn't strong and I knew that I couldn't fail any classes because I needed to use all of my time the next semester to finish out and take more credits and it ended up working out I ended up getting that withdrawal ended up taking five classes the next semester and then one in the summertime and graduating and it's really interesting because I went to dinner with my work bestie Glory this week and again just talking to her just updating her about life and I think the people in my life are just really sick of me being in like not even just this waiting season but just a season of like no wins it's not necessarily a losing season but it's my valley season it's my job season like I mentioned when was the last time you were genuinely happy and I basically ended up like really thinking about it and it was right before like it was right when I moved here before things with work started getting bad because I tell you all the time which just still blows my mind I prayed for my job so that time where everything had finally worked out the retroactive withdrawal worked out I ended up passing all of my classes that semester I finished my summer class and I was a master of physiology. It worked out. And then I'm like, okay, what's the next step? What am I going to do with the middle pandemic? And I spoke it. And that waiting season, you guys were there for it was super short. I finished my classes in June and I was like, let me apply to some jobs for my birthday in July. And then I did a couple interviews and I was like, no, I specifically want a clinical position at a GYN office because I don't really want to be doing eyes, nose, mouth, dermatology, et cetera, et cetera. And I got my job offer in the middle of July, July 14th. I won't forget because it was Kayla's birthday. There was no waiting season for that. And so I was super excited. I enjoyed the rest of my summer. And when I started work, I just felt really at peace because I just felt like everything was finally coming together. And then, you know, life started to happen. And this job that I prayed for wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. There was a lot of challenges, a lot of difficulties, a lot of animosity, and then came the MCAT. And we all know how that went. And now I'm in this place on the other side of the MCAT, like I said, in the middle of this application season. And now I'm really, really having to wait. Like before, when I had to wait to see if my withdrawal was going to be approved, it was long and it was a little bit tormenting, but 
I was able to hold on and have faith and it ended up working out. And so I had that experience to where I should be able to pull from it. Those two experiences, I should be able to pull from it and realize in times where I waited patiently, everything worked out. God had his hand over it. At the end of the day, trials and tribulations aside, I can stand here or sit here and say I am a master of physiology. And even though I can sit here and in the same breath say that I am mahogany emotion, it's not something that I am like as proud of because I don't feel like God has his hand over that, like how he had his hand over me and my master's degree. And so here I am again in the season of waiting. And as I'm sitting here talking to you all, as it normally happens, I'm realizing like I have to pull from my previous experience of when God was faithful, when I decided to wait patiently. We know that God uses these waiting periods to prepare us, but the question is, are we allowing God to use the season to not just build our faith, but to grow our trust and also to shape our character? I was doing this one devotional, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, and I talked about how when challenges and crises come, we get so worked up that more often than not, we feel we just have to do something or do anything, and that it is so difficult to be still. And I feel like that's what my challenge is right now, the reason why I'm having a hard time removing that time limit off of my life it's because this destination addiction that I have rushing to get to the next space to the next area to the next accomplishment to the next time I will feel happy it's making me believe that I need to do something like I need to do something more in order to make this happen and I feel like if I'm being still then like I said before like I'm not working towards my goal every day I think this really has to do a lot with purpose I have to do a whole episode on purpose because The thing is that I know exactly what my purpose is. I just feel so secure in my calling that it upsets me when I'm not working towards it. It's like, how could, if you, I know what you put me on this earth for. I know what you want me to do. I know who you want me to help. I know who you want me to speak to. I know how you want me to do it. At least I have an idea. And maybe you can redirect me if I'm going in the wrong direction, but to not do anything at all, to stay still, I feel like I'm wasting time. And that's why I have this time limit on my life. Like if I'm not in medical school by 29, if I don't have a partner by this age, if I don't have a baby by this age, like it really starts to just spiral into all of these unknown circumstances that God never wants us to worry about and to deal with. He's like, can you literally just sit still? But For some reason, when we do something about the situation, it gives us relief and it makes us feel more in control because honestly, doing something just simply keeps our minds occupied rather than allowing for time to think and to feel and to trust. Like I said, for me, I just feel more useful to God when I am doing something about it, when I'm doing something towards my purpose. But God said to be still and to let him take control. Anybody else out there a control freak? I definitely have a problem with wanting to control everything, like every little detail. Let me tell you guys another story about what happened this week, which was super exciting and fun because as we know, I say it multiple times, In multiple podcasts, I'm not super happy with my job right now, but one of the things that I do love doing at my job is being a surgical technician. So I'm a non-sterile surgery tech and they train me on the job, which I'm super grateful for because when I tell you guys, you need a certification to do everything in healthcare from drawing blood to everything. And I, (laughs) 
I was going to say I don't have the time, but here we are talking about taking the time limits off your life. But I just don't think that it would benefit me at this point in time in my life to get a certification in something so low in the healthcare field when I literally want to get a certification to be a doctor. Like that's a certification that I want right now. And I feel like just doing, spending the money, spending the time, the effort into getting like small degrees would be a waste of my time. That's personally how I feel right now. I may change my mind. But one of the things that I do get to do at my job is in-office procedures. And so we basically do um, dilation and curatage, which is like a DNC. We do Nova Shores, which is an endometrial ablation. Um, What else do we do? We do LEAP procedures, which is like burning off the um, cervix if somebody has like HPV. Or we do a few different ones. There's only a couple, but we do a few of them. And they're pretty big procedures. And they're just really fun. It just really makes me feel like I'm in the field of medicine. So doing surgeries are my favorite and this past week we have a surgery day and basically I mean our, the practice that I work at has been open for a really long time and so they're getting to the place now where they're switching out the equipment just upgrading it and so we had a person come in um, to basically like let us test trial their equipment and <laughs> I wasn't being a very good sport because the first of all it was a man and I don't like to be mansplained. That's a big pet peeve. I don't like to be mansplained. And so the man was like all in my space. Like as a non-sterile tech, I just have a lot of different like things that I have to do. So I like I have my whole counter and I have things like laid out and I have to like get the patient together and bring them back. And I wasn't able to like do my flow of my normal um, like preparing the patient for the procedure because like the man was in my way. It was a different technology. So I, I physically like couldn't do it myself. And so I had to ask for help and I wasn't in control of the situation. Like the surgery that would normally take like an hour block, it took like three hours because not only did we not know how to use the equipment, we had to be taught how to do basically each step over again. I didn't have like the control over my space, but then, so this procedure that we were going to do was a hysteroscopy. So we were basically going to put a camera into the uterus and blow it up with water and look in in order to see like what is it in the lining of the uterus that is making this woman bleed so heavily. Um, it's, it's diagnostic, right? Just to see like what the heck is going on up in there. And this woman had previously just had a myashore, which is... <laughs> I'm going real geeky on you guys. I hope this is somewhat interesting, but she had just had a myoshore procedure a month beforehand by that same doctor where she got a procedure to remove the fibroids. So she had fibroids, which are basically just like non-cancerous tumors in the lining of the uterus. She had those removed by the doctor. Going back a little bit, this is going to be a Novashore, which is the brand name of the instrument that does the endometrial ablation, which is the burning of the lining of the uterus. So basically this woman's bleeding was so heavy. She had fibroids fibroids a month beforehand she got the fibroids removed and today she was in office to get the lining burned off that way the bleeding would be less heavy because as you guys know the periods come because that lining of the uterus just gets thicker and thicker and hers was just so thick that it was causing her bleeding to like be all the time and super heavy so we get in there to take a look first just to make sure like this is the before before we do the burning of the lining and there's a huge fibroid in the middle of her uterus. So we normally don't do myoshores in office. We do Novashores, we do DNCs, but we don't do myoshores, which is removing the fibroids in office. And 
crazy enough, we were able to do a Maya short there in office because the rep who was in my way the entire day, he had that equipment on him. And this new equipment that we were testing out was able to do the Maya shore. So I was like super excited because I was able to see something that I don't normally see in the office procedures. But at the same time, it was completely out of my control because normally it's like, you know, you do this, you do this, you do this. I'm such a planned person. I'm so meticulous. Like you give me a plan, I'll go step by step and I will do it. But this time it was like literally the doctor who is sterile is having to like walk us through how to do this procedure because we've never done it before. But if we don't do it while we literally have this equipment here, then this woman would basically have to leave the table without getting what she came for. She would have to go back to the hospital and then get it removed and then maybe get the endometrial ablation there at the hospital. So it was like, okay, it's in our best interest. Do it here. Does she agree? She's like, take it out, do it now. And it's just really crazy how out of control I was that day. And honestly, that's what's really crazy about surgery is that things never, well, I won't say they never, but they rarely go perfectly. Like something can, there's so many ways that things can go wrong. And that's just like the field of healthcare. Like you just have to be on your toes. And so even though I'm a super, like, I like to control things, I understand that like sometimes things happen and you just have to be able to go with the flow. And that's just how I need to be with life. Like I need to let God take control and know that whatever he does is truly the best thing that can be done and that needs to be done in my life. And I just need to be still and acknowledge that I need him to determine my path and I need to trust him because he knows where we're going. And ultimately that means that I need to accept that he knows better than I do. Like at the time when I was doing the surgery, I was looking at the man like, I do these procedures every week. I know what I'm doing. But in this case, when it was time for the Maya Shore, I don't know what I'm doing. I literally have to trust in you and accept that you know better than I do. You know your equipment, you know the process, you know the procedure, you know the protocol, and I don't. And I have to let go and let God and remember that he knows the process, he knows the procedure, he knows the protocol, and I don't. And if I trust in him and be still and let him have his control, then things will work out. Wow, we are going all over the place in today's podcast episode, but here we are and I'm still waiting. I'm waiting for my big break. And in the meantime, I am listening to God, following him, being obedient, no matter where he leads me to. That's the thing. I think that sometimes the reason why I haven't been so good at waiting is because I'm like, I'll wait if you lead me where I want to go. But if you lead me somewhere that I don't want to go, <laughs> now I'm not going to be so happy about it. I'm not going to be so nice about it. I'm not going to be so pleasant about it. And I just get so hung up on the big, bold leaps of faith, like getting in the medical school, like getting a new job, like scoring in the top 99% of the MCAT that I'm neglecting the simple steps of obedience right now. Like Michael Todd, he talked about the seven steps to kingdom success being service. And he was just talking about like waiting well, right? And this is in his faith season. So we talk about how everything always comes back to faith. So here I am this waiting season and I'm not waiting well simply because I don't have enough faith in the person who is in charge of it all. And so he said the seven steps to kingdom success is submission being excellent in what you're doing, being reputable or like having integrity, being well-versed, 
being invested, being covered, and being equipped. Of course, I'm going to leave this in the show notes for you guys for you to watch the full sermon because it's like two hours long. But one of the things that really stuck out to me was being well-versed, which he said is being valuable on multiple levels. And I think right now, going back to the original conversation about I'm so... I'm anticipating the next step because I feel like this is what I need to do for my purpose, that I'm not looking at the bigger picture of how I can be valuable with my overall purpose on multiple levels. And he talked about like being divinely dynamic. So I think that's something that I'm going to try and work on this next week is basically like adding different dynamics. Like I can work to achieve my purpose more than just getting into medical school and if this right now this season right now if I'm supposed to be waiting and there's nothing else that I can do to get myself into medical school all the apps are in all the secondaries are in all the bills are paid all the essays are written the MCAT is taken like there's nothing that I can do what I can do during this time become better versed and dynamic on more levels. And although it's not exactly what I would have wanted during this time, the same devotional talked about how my circumstances are not important. They will serve and fulfill the purpose for which I live and came into existence. If what happens to me serves that purpose, it does not matter what it is. The center of the universe is not me, but God. And I think that's why I will continue on doing these podcasts with me being a work in per work in purpose hey hey amen um but with me being a work in progress because I think that it's just as helpful for me to share with you guys the day-to-day of me being like I am struggling waiting I am having a hard time not being addicted to the next destination I'm having a hard time taking the time limits off of my life showing you all who are in this process in this journey with me and again even if it's not specifically medicine I think that as young adults we are all not there yet and so we all want better and more for ourselves and so if me just sharing this is serving my purpose, then I need to get submitted to his mission and his goal to use me in this way. It's the Apostles Paul perspective that everything revolves around God and his purpose and that my happiness does not depend on external things because God did not create me for that. He says that my life has only one goal, which is to be a channel to fulfill God's eternal purpose. And that's just really what I need to work on and walk in in this next week understanding and truly believing that my circumstances do not change the primary thing which is him and that perspective gives us a goal even though I don't feel like I'm working towards my larger goal on a day-to-day basis my day-to-day goal should be to focus daily on the purpose for which we were created which is God's purpose so I think that I'm working on my purpose right now by blabbing to you guys for 40 minutes about how I need to wait better because maybe it'll help you wait better in your season. I also wanted to mention in last week's podcast episode that I am doing 21 days of prayer and fast. So I'm not on social media right now. If you haven't noticed, um, of course I'm posting, but I'm not watching any YouTube videos and um, not watching like movies, television, no music, um, no music. 
hey, <laughs> uh, but specifically social media. And I do feel like that has helped me a lot. Like I told you guys, I am a big fan of taking breaks from social media. Ever since I did it once, I was like, I need to do this more often. So, so I do feel better since last week. And I was going to mention that when I start to feel that way, that should be a sign for me that I need to take a step back. And again, if you haven't listened to that podcast episode, feeling like just uncomfortable on social media, whether it's because of the things that people are posting, the things that people are saying, the way that I feel afterwards, if I just feel like it's not a certain person that's posting something that I can just unfollow them, but it's just like the whole culture or whatever it is, then I can delete the app or I can just not log in and I no longer will have those same problems. So, um, so yeah, first week of 21 days of prayer and fast. I say all that to say that I've been doing a lot of devotionals and I want to share this last one with you guys as a part of my kingdom keys because I believe that God speaks to us in various different ways. So let me try and set the scene for you all. So there's this prophet named Elijah and he tells King Ahab that there's going to be a drought for the next few years until God commands rain. And he basically got in trouble for that. Like the king didn't like that. And so Elijah had to make a run for it and hide out in another place. And God told him there's going to be a brook there and I'm going to get ravens to bring you food there. And that's such like when I really start to think about it, right? Ravens to bring you food. So this isn't like you're going to get a four course meal. Like I'm going to go ahead and put you up in a hotel for you to wait. Like he was just doing what he was told. God told him, hey, tell the king there's going to be a famine. And during the famine, he had to go into hiding, live by a brook. That way there was water like he had. God gave him enough but it definitely wasn't fancy living. So at this time, Elisha had to live in complete obscurity. And without being dramatic, I was reading this and I was like, yeah, that's me. Like, I feel like I was at a place that looks similar to Elijah's life where I'm waiting for a breakthrough. Like God said, go there and wait until I tell you to come out. And so Elijah is here at a place where he doesn't prefer, like he would rather, you know, not have to get scraps from birds as his food every day I'm pretty sure he was waiting for something bigger for something better the devotional put it perfectly is that right now your life is in the shadows it's ordinary and unspectacular you've been stuck in that waiting room for a long time but today I want to encourage you that God has not forgotten you you are engraved in the palm of his hand says Isaiah 49 16 you are the apple of his eye says Psalm 17 8 he can't forget you whether you and I realize it or not he is working behind the scenes his timing is perfect says Isaiah 40 31 they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint so let's be strengthened in our waiting holding on to the unwavering belief that our God will perfect that which concerns us. He is in the business of transforming our heart and our character through the waiting. Waiting shows us that our life doesn't come from the goals we crush or the bucket list places we get to explore or the person we marry. Waiting shows us that life is found in Jesus. In the waiting, there is provision. In the waiting, there is preparation. In the waiting, there is purpose. Exodus 14, 14 says the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. 
and Matthew 6, 31-33 says, So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. To happen this way, but it's happening for my good. Some of you all experienced delays last year. And there are some partners of this church and you are saying to God, what are you doing? And why am I having to wait so long? But God came to let you know and used watch night as an example that it had to happen this way, but I promise you when it's all said and done, you're going to see that all the happening was happening for your good. So that all things concerning you will be established so that nothing can come and pluck it out of your life. Saul's attendant said to him, see, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. They said it. They even recognized it. So everything bad that's happening to you isn't the devil. It's not the thing that's going to take you out. It's the thing that's going to develop you. What God was trying to do to Saul before this moment is work the fruits of the Spirit in him before they were called the fruits of the Spirit. When he was not waiting on Samuel to come, he got impatient. And God was saying, the delay wasn't a denial. I was trying to give you something that you would need in the next season, but he never got it. And that's why the evil spirit came to torment him from the Lord. He said, I got to make room for the next person who's actually going to do it. The way you're waiting has no posture to it. The way you're waiting and your character and your attitude, you might as well not even be here because of the way you're serving. All of these people up here are standing in a certain position at attention waiting to serve. And most of us don't look like this in the spirit. We should be saying, God, whatever you want me to do at your surface, how do you want me to help the people? You want it to be a little hotter? You want it to me to be a little cold? I'm talking too much. I'm not talking enough. Well, Lord, I'm an introvert, but you need my purpose to come out, so I'm going to allow my purpose to override my preferences. God, however you want me to do it. You want me to serve in the children's area, but I don't like kids that much. Oh, give them the name tags? I can give them the name tags. I will serve. We're not going to get a lot of amens on this one, but you are blocking the season of unusual acceleration because you've been bamboozled by the blessing. You thought God gave you that position so you could stunt. He gave you the position so you could serve. The suffering is as much a gift as the trusting. And my responsibility as your spiritual leader is not to lead you astray regarding the course that you're going to have to take to become great. So many partners of True City have so much greatness on the inside of them. I've never seen anything like it in my life. But I want to let you know that maturity is going to have to be your portion 
Self-discipline is going to have to be your portion. The ability to stand still in the face of opposition has got to be your portion. And family, you're going to have to see suffering as a gift. If you pitch a fit because something that you expected to go one way ends up having to go another way, then you're not fit for what you're expecting. So the Apostle Paul considered it a privilege to suffer for Christ. That's why he could encourage people from jail. We do not by nature consider suffering a privilege. Yet when we suffer, if we faithfully represent Christ, our message and example affects us and others for good, for the good. And then our blessings come as a gift, even in the midst of suffering. So these are the benefits of suffering because you're going to have some suffering along with the blessings that are coming this year. We're going to end this episode off right with a few minutes of guided affirmations to keep our spirits up and focus as we move throughout our day. Remove all distractions and verbally repeat these words after me. I am content with where I am at the moment. Everything that I need will be provided to me at the right time and the right place. I am determined to be happy and content. I dedicate time to my happiness and well-being. I am content even when life isn't perfect. I choose to be happy even in times of challenge or difficulty. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're not already watching the pods, don't forget we over here on YouTube turned up. So follow us over here at Breland slash Beauty and Brains and subscribe to this channel. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Breland Hunt or visit my website, BrelandHunt.com for weekly podcast updates or to contact me to share your story. Until next time, be sure to live each day to the fullest because you only live once and give yourself some grace. We are all just a work in progress. I'll see you guys next week.